Hi, this is Chuck Matthews. I'm one of the co-directors on the project on religion and its publics, funded by the Henry Luce Foundation and uh, hosted here at the University of Virginia in the Virginia Center for the Study of Religion. And I'm talking today to Leah Daughtry, who is a uh, Democratic Party uh, political operative, a significant player in the party, has had a number of roles, including twice being the uh, CEO of the annual of the quadrennial convention in 2008, um, at which time the Democrats nominated Barack Obama, and in 2016, um, at which time they nominated Hillary Clinton. Um, and she's also a, a Pentecostal minister who has her own church, House of the Lord Church, in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a delight to have you here, Reverend Daughtry. What we'd like to begin with is just maybe some initial reflections from you on your experience relating two vocations, which I think for some of our audience anyway would be would seem very interesting and possibly uh, different and possibly in tension. How do you understand the, the two parts of your life to relate, and to what degree do you uh, understand them to be one thing entirely? Yes, uh, well, thank you, Chuck, for uh, hosting me today, and I'm thrilled to be here with you and with your audience for this conversation. Uh, for me, uh, my faith is foundational to my life and, and informs uh, all that I do, whether it's my personal interactions, my internal compass, or the way in which I move and live and be in the world. Um, and as an outgrowth of my faith is is my understanding of how uh, we ought to treat each other as fellow compatriots in this thing called life, um, but also what my what the gospel calls me to do and to advocate for. If we understand each other as representations of the divine made in the, the image of the creator and in, in, in who's in, who has imbued uh, their breath into us, then we are representations and so therefore uh, we are entitled uh, to certain things uh, in order to be whole and free and full and uh, true representations of God. Um, and so that means that I have a responsibility to care for my sister and my brother as representations of God but also that I have a responsibility to ensure that each living person, each human being, each representation of God has the tools that they need to live free, full, and abundant lives. So that means clean air, clean water, good schools, adequate health care, uh, affordable housing that allow us the ba very basic very basic things that allow us to then be creative and to have God's own creativity flow into the world. So for me, um, politics and my engagement in the electoral political system is a way for me to see those things actualized because the government has so much to say about uh, how and when our water is clean and our air is clean. You know, the people in Flint still don't have clean water. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether and uh, and how our children are educated, uh, where we live, the roads we live on, um, and how we're treated in terms of equal rights and human dignity. 
the government has such an outside role, outsized role in this country that it would be um, problematic for me not to be concerned about what our government is doing and how we can influence and shape the government by electing people who will advance those principles. Okay, that's great. That's a great answer, and I'm, I'm interested in just a quick follow-up on that. You, um, in your excellent talk yesterday and in the later Q&A, you uh, differentiated somewhat between uh, maybe policy work or governmental work itself and then electoral work. Um, and you've tasted both of those, uh, both of those meals. Uh, but you are uh, one of the people who is most centrally on the electoral side. So you actually do the, the, uh, the retail electioning and the work on the, on the ground and, and also in large-scale strategy and things like that. How do, you, how do you think your work in that sphere, um, which many people would see as a, 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 a potential site of some real cynicism about how to manipulate people or manipulate voters or, or you know, to be more, um, uh, not to be cynical, but to be uh, more maybe accurate, to um, frame things in ways that voters will see um, one side and not the other and things like that. Um, and yet you yourself are clearly a very committed person with uh, a series of theological and, uh, and ethical principles that you want to live out. Um, how is it possible for someone like you, and this is not a rhetorical question, <laughs> how is it possible for someone like you to be working centrally, not on the policy side, but on the electoral side? You know, there is, a, and I, I try to, I think about it this way, uh, there's politics in everything that we do. Mm. It's, it's not simply electoral politics is one slice of that. There's our work politics. There's our family politics. There's our community politics. There's our school politics. And, and so, you know, my definition of politics is simply the process through which uh, human beings decide who gets what, when, where, why, and how. And whether that is emotional or physical or material, those are decisions we are making every day in our house. Who's getting the groceries? Who's picking up the milk? Who's walking the dog? These are all decisions we're making that, ad uh, and you could say in a very cynical way, advantage some and disadvantage others. It happens in our workplace, right? So electoral politics is just one slice of the political uh, scheme of things. Mm. Um, and so when you when I think about it that way, then it's a matter of making your case for the for your position, making your case for why you feel a certain way about water, air, schools, guns, you name it, and then making that case to the American people who are then determining uh, which path they want to take through the people that they are electing. Because essentially you're electing a person who, you know, who is going to carry out a particular policy. So for me it is what is the policy that I'm, that I'm interested in. I'm interested in you know, four or five things maybe in, a diff in, in any election. Uh, and I size up candidates based on who's going to be the person that's going to advocate for the position that I want recognizing sometimes it's going to be sh gradations and shades and you're making judgment calls but we do that every day about everything uh so i don't i don't necessarily see it as a cynicism i think that americans or the electorate are smart enough to recognize the shades and to recognize the gradations sometimes i think we we are um we underestimate the ability of the electorate to uh to evaluate candidates because people's measurements may be different from our own. Mm -hmm. And so you hear a lot about, well, they're not voting their interests. Yes, they are. 
their interests are just different from what yours are. Uh, and so the, the, the beginning of civility is understanding that people, just because the, the opinion is different doesn't make them bad people. Mm-hmm. The opinion may be, they may see their interests may be different from your own. You may disagree with that. You may disagree with their interests. You may not think that they have the right interests, but they're entitled to their interests. And if we can understand that, then we can begin to have a different kind of conversation about uh, electoral politics and, and what the means to the end is. You have said, uh, with us and elsewhere in your uh, in your public life, uh, that it is important to see the people of the nation um, as children of God, as images of God, as people to be, um, in some ways, loved in the way that God loves them. Um, and I guess this opens up the question to me, um, in a way, are you saying, because I think I hear you saying that in a way, electoral politics is a way to love people. Yes. Uh, yes, and, it is. And, 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 how, and, and, and respect them in a certain way by providing these arguments and things. Would you say more about that? Yeah, you know, I I think at the foundation of my life as a Christian is the call from God to love his creation in whatever form it comes, whether that is the earth where we have stewardship or whether that is human beings. Uh, And the work that I've chosen in electoral politics is a means toward ensuring that God's creation, who I am called to love, has the tools that they need to live the lives that they choose to lead. Mm -hmm. Recognizing their choice about their lives may differ from my own choice, but that's part of, I think, outside of um, the gift of salvation, the greatest gift that God gives to us is the gift of choice, Mm -hmm. the ability to choose for ourselves, even to the extent that we get to choose God or not. Hmm. It's a gift. Uh, It's not a dictatorial, tyrannical enterprise where you must follow God by whatever name you choose to call him or her. It It is this choice that our great God, this majestic presence gives to us to say, you decide panoply of options before you you decide my calling as a christian i believe is to love the creation enough to allow them to choose just as god has chosen but to give them all the tools and ensure that they have the tools to live as abundantly as god created them to live he created us to live abundant lives so if that is god's intention and we are god's tools and messengers on the earth then it's my calling to try to get you the tools it's almost a mandate to to get you the tools and then you choose whether you want college or no college you want to work in a mine you want to work in a coal field you want to work in a grocery store you want to work in a university your choice but you should have the educational opportunities. You should have the housing opportunities that enables you to live out God's call on your life. That's wonderful and theologically quite rich. And um, we probably shouldn't go any further in the interview in in noting in some ways um, the oddness in American politics of hearing a democratic political operative speaking in such vigorously um, and obviously organic theological terms. In uh, typically in American politics, uh, religion seems to be a, a province of the right wing, of the Republican Party. Um, so I guess I have two questions here. One is, um, what do you think about that uh, problem in American, or that, that um, 
a preconception in American politics that religion is in some ways a more conservative force. Mm -hmm. It seems like you are a, an embodied argument against that. Mm -hmm. um, and secondly, how does that preconception inflect the way that you have operated or experienced your your, your political vocation, but also maybe your theological vocation? Have you, have you met different kinds of resistances um, in the in politics and in the churches? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's a, there's a, a, a multifold answer to that. One, I, uh, it has been my experience that I'm not the only one, and I'm not a rarity inside of the party. There are many, many people of faith uh, who hold the same beliefs, who work in the same kinds of ways. We don't get as much attention as the right. I think there is a preconceived notion advanced by our media which says that religion is, um, is the province of the right, and I think they reinforce those messages all the time. Um, and there are many of us, on, if you want to call it the left, or if, if many of us who hold um, the centrality of God as part of the reason we do this work, uh, there are many of us. You know, I meet with them all the time. We, they, you know, they're part of the the process of trying to advance different policies. We just don't get the same levels of attention because of this preconception and because of this notion. I think it's also a function of, uh, in many cases, those of us who are center or left have uh, allowed the right, the religious right to co-opt the conversation and to po and to position themselves as the speakers, uh, the interpreters of scripture, and that's our fault. It's our fault for, I think we didn't take it seriously enough in the beginning, and it's our fault for not countering it strongly enough. And I think for many of us, we just roll our eyes and we say, oh, those crazy people. Uh, and I think these days we have got to be more um, strident and more persistent about advancing an alternative view of, of the gospel, of the scriptures, and of our work so that people have the, their only uh, idea of what uh, faith is, is is colored by what they see on the right because there is no counter. They don't see the counter. So we've got to be more proactive in advancing a counter-argument or advancing a different view, an alternative view. And we've also got to be more uh, proactive about uh, pushing the media to, to show both sides, to show counterbalancing um, perspectives when it comes to people of faith who are engaged in the political system. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. You had another part to your question. Um, the, the main one was about your connection with uh, how, how this, uh, what the challenges are that uh, you face mm -hmm. um, in being a, a, mm -hmm. a democratic mm -hmm. uh, religious figure. You know, and the, I think the challenge on the democratic side, which, which does not exist on the Republican side, but on the Republican side is a much more homogeneous uh, group of people. Yeah. Uh, politely said. Politi yes, poli <laughs> politely said. Uh, on, the on the Democratic side, you know, we are the big tent party. So for us, it's on Christianity, you know, Protestants and Catholics. Then Within Protestantism, you've got, you know, a name a number of different stripes of Protestants. And then we have Muslims, we have Jewish people, we have Buddhists, we have Sikhs, we have any number of religious traditions, and in, all inside of the big tent, which creates its own... Um, 
uh, wonderful tension of respecting everyone's views uh, and not diminishing anyone's views, and 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 while at the same time not asking them to to step away from their views. So how do you pray in public meetings? How do you, in a way that that reflects everyone's and respects everyone's tradition, um, and and that is our burden. And it's a joyful burden to have, to have so many different kinds of people of faith inside the party. When we have DNC meetings, there are any number of ministers and Muslims and Jewish people, and how do you navigate that? And it's, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge worth parsing through. So if, for me, as, as personally, as I, as I navigate these spaces, you know, I think the, 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 the biggest challenge for me has come from the growing secularization of our country where there are more and more people who don't identify with the faith and who don't uh, have a personal experience with God that's not their testimony. And so uh, as, the, as, as secularization in the nation grows, you have f- uh, fewer people who have had a direct personal experience with faith, with religion, with the religious traditions of any stripe. Uh, and so... That's where the tension comes from for me is how you how you uh, negotiate, have a conversation with people who've never been inside of a church building, hmm. who don't who don't know what the tradition is, how to interact respectfully with any tradition, never been in a synagogue. It's just not something they grew up with. And those, uh, uh, for the most part, are kind, wonderful conversations as we share each other's perspective. And, you know, occasionally you meet the one who just has no use for religion at all and doesn't see why you need to talk to people of faith. Uh, And my rejoinder is they vote too. Uh, So you can't ignore people just because of what their belief system might be. How do you talk to people, though, who are of this new emerging group of the nuns? I mean... uh uh, and, and not the kind who are in habits. Yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the famous people who say they have no religion and they have no preference. Um, Jonathan, the journalist Jonathan Rauch once called these people apatheists. Uh, it's a combination of apathy and atheism. They just don't even care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what? How do you, as a as a theological speaker, in some ways, regardless of your politics, how do you speak to people who seem to be, um, they don't have much in the way of uh, you know, grappling points or anything for for you. You know what? I, for those in those conversations, I tend to talk more about values than mm-hmm. faith, mm-hmm. because everyone has values by which they live. My values happen to come from my faith, happen to come from the the holy text that I ascribe to. Uh, for people who are not of faith, their values may come from what their parents taught them, mm-hmm. from what they learned growing up, from what they learned on their grandmother's porch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a set of values, and everyone has them. Uh, so in, in those conversations, we can, we can connect. The point is to find a point of connection. And so we can talk about values and, and what are the things that drive your life, that inform how you come to work every day, that inform how you ride the bus, that informs how you talk to the cashier. What are those values that you have um, that, that, that govern how you live? Uh, my values are based on my understanding of scripture. Your values are based on what your mother taught you. It's the same. It's the same language. Uh, it's the same premise, though we may have a different uh, starting point, and folks can understand that. Mm-hmm. So um, to flip this a little bit, uh, there are people out there who have the same starting point, but they they come at it in a very different way. 
And um, it, it strikes me that, um, and, and you've talked about this as well, that in the, uh, in the democratic world, it's okay to have a religion in some ways, or it's more visible to have a religion if you're a person of a minority race. Uh, whereas in the Republican world, um, the, the Christ, especially the Christianity you get there is overwhelmingly white. Mm -hmm. um, and so speaking um, both as a political operative and as a, as a theologian and as a, 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 a churchwoman, uh, how do you think about this tremendous cleavage in the American religious world mm -hmm. uh, between white and, white and non-white? It's mm -hmm. not even anymore just white and black, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. this, this astonishing sense that um, white Christianity in particular um, seems to have, uh, without being too polemical, generated a sense of its own victimization and grievance. How do you try, and do you try, to speak across those boundaries to fellow Christians but who seem to understand their Christianity in ways very different um, than you? In the Democratic Party, um, when you're talking about organizing voters or motivating voters or plan to reach voters, it is pretty much an article of faith that in order to reach black voters, or it's a presumed article of faith that you, you need to connect with faith leaders and churches uh, and, uh, and mosques, or mosques as well. The, 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 uh, many people don't know this, but uh, of the American Muslim population, the overwhelming majority are African-American, yeah. uh, not, Ar not Arab-American. They're African-Americans. So if you want to reach those voters, you have to go through the faith institutions. It's different on for white Americans. Um, it is not a presumed article of faith in the Democratic Party that to reach white voters, you go through their faith leaders or through their faith institutions. And I think some of that is uh, that responsibility lays at the feet of those faith leaders and those faith institutions because they have not traditionally engaged in a way. And they've had, quite honestly, uh, out of the privilege of their race, they have not. They have been able to segment their religion as being s simply that of soul cleansing, soul a uh, soul uh, affirming, and they can separate their God from the issues of the day. Uh, people of color have not had that luxury, because whether you are Latino, whether you are Asian, whether you are black, you have had to use the political system. And in many cases, given the history of this country, the political system has been your only way of achieving the human rights, the dignity that you would believe God intends for your life because it just isn't God, you, God calls you to do, to challenge the system. If we didn't have the Voting Rights Act and we didn't have the presidents changing the laws, we'd still be on the back of the bus drinking from colored water fountains, right? So our, our life experience calls our God to be bigger calls us to see God in a different way and to not allow our God to be compartmentalized into someone that we see on Sundays who is there to make our souls better and to save us for the coming world. Our God is concerned about our entire life uh, and including how we live on this world, on this earth. And so that calls us to be engaged and to see the political system as a tool for achieving the God-given rights that we have. So it's, it's a, a, I think for white Christians, the solving of this problem lies in their willingness and openness to understand their privilege in this country. 
and to understand that their privilege has allowed them to characterize God in a way that is smaller than God is, than God really, God's character is. And until you understand that you're operating from a place of privilege, uh, until you understand that your privilege has allowed your God to be compartmentalized and for you to compartmentalize your God, then you can't see, it's hard for you to engage across religious lines. It's hard for you to engage in a world larger than yourself because your God is only there to, you know, make you feel better and make you stop smoking cigarettes and, you know, clean <laughs> your life up and stop drinking or not stop drinking as much. <laughs> it becomes a very personal personal relationship god as a as opposed to the master of the universe who's there to uh to care about every portion of your life and some of which can be impacted by the political system so there's a kind of uh i mean what's fascinating about this for me is i i hear uh what could have been primarily a, a political critique or a, a kind of horizontal social critique uh, of white american christians being uh, reframed by you as a, as a theological critique, that the problem is in some ways uh, a failure of their theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very, uh, maybe reaches more fully into the depths of what, they're, what they might, might be able to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Although, who knows what... <laughs> Which is why you hear, you, a, a lot of times in, in the electoral cycle, you hear people saying, why are they talking about politics in church? Right. Why are they talking about issues in church? Right. That's a very pretty, well, when you have clean air and clean water and good schools and housing that you can afford and a living wage, then no, you're God, you, you're not challenged. You can come to church and listen to a sermon about heaven and be okay. But when you're coming to church and your water doesn't work and the, the, you know, the city hasn't come to see about your housing, you come to church with all of these things and you expect your God to have something to say about and you expect the preacher to tell you how to navigate your life as a child of God, as a daughter and a son of privilege, kingdom privilege, then how come my life doesn't look like their life? Mm. Help me make sense of that. And how do I get to this? God can't really have made us unequal. That's not God's intent. So then how do I struggle to get the life that God designed for me just as a basic foundation that I have the same privileges as an American of water, light, earth, air, basic things. We're not talking about, you know, a million dollar wage. We're talking about basic things. So then I can go to be as creative as God called me to be because I don't have to worry about whether my water is going to be brown or not yeah. or whether the house has lead, right? I, I, can, I, can, uh, I can have the basic things. Mm-hmm. that I think God intends for me. But that's a function of who you understand God to be. Um, we've, we've already kind of walked into this a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to hear your uh, direct thoughts on, um, we've talked a lot about how uh, your own faith has moved, has moved you into politics mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, what lessons have you learned for your faith from your political engagement? Or what, what do you, how are you different now say, than you were 20 years ago um, in terms of what the last 20 years of political engagement, or 30 years mm-hmm. of political engagement, has, has taught you? Is there, is there, are there lessons? There, there are. I think, you know, uh, the, the risk we run as Christians, and I'm Pentecostal and we tend to be insular, um, and the risk we run is the insularity of being sons and daughters of 
the Most High God, and that sort of separates us and compartmentalizes us from the rest of humanity. Uh, and so the, the, what I learned, particularly being a democratic operative, is to appreciate, to respect the diversity of God's creation uh, and to learn how to navigate difference and diversity while maintaining my own sense of self and my own idea of who God is. Uh, and so I can be in spaces with people who don't believe as I believe, who have different faith systems or no faith system, and be confident enough in my own salvation and my own understanding of God that I'm not phased by that, I'm not uh, threatened by it, I don't, I'm not fearful of it, it doesn't stop me from being in coalition with them. That's, that's lesson one. Lesson two is that, um, and it draws a little bit on that, on the first one, that we can strive together for the same goals, even though we may not have the same motivation, um, and we may have different tactics for getting there, but let's keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is, let's say, for example, clean water. I may come to it from a theological perspective. You may come to it from an ecological perspective. Someone else may be coming to it just because they want to organize and activate people. doesn't matter. Can we get the clean water? Each tactic is okay uh, because let's keep the main thing the main thing. And, and as my father often says, look, if, if, if you are threatened by someone else's faith and someone else's religion to the point that you can't be in the same space with, it, with them, then how big is your God? How powerful is your God? How strong is your relationship with your God that that would threaten your, your understanding of, uh, of who you are and who God is just to stand next to someone who's Muslim or to stand next to someone who's Sikh or Baha'i or Yoruba? How big is your God? And that, I think that's the question that we all have to answer as Christians. So those would be the two things that I learned is how to, how to maintain my sense of self and my sense of being Pentecostal. Uh, and not being threatened by the other, and then how to work in coalition with people who don't believe as I believe, but we can work toward the same things. That's really interesting because one of the larger questions that our whole project is pursuing is the, um, the future of something that used to be called public theology. Um, and public theology is not just theology done in public, but it's in some ways theology done for the public and mm -hmm. and. and for the public in several ways. First of all, as a way of explaining how one's theological views might inform and illuminate the world in ways that other people might want to learn from, even mm -hmm. if they don't share those views. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that um, the world seems to you might illuminate people, and they don't necessarily have to be converted to your views to be able to be informed by that. But also, the bare fact of exemplifying someone who comes from a place of deep personal commitment um, and yet can work in these very public and pluralistic spaces, uh, suggests a model that other people might find at least indirect um, inspiration from, if mm -hmm. not direct information uh, about. So other people might be provoked into being better Presbyterian Christians mm -hmm. or Episcopalian Christians or Orthodox Jews or uh, better in the sense of being uh, more fully present in public mm -hmm. as who they are mm -hmm. um, in a non-defensive, dialogically mm -hmm. open um, and confessionally frank way. This mm -hmm. is what I believe. I'd like to hear what you believe. Mm -hmm. I will learn from that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting to see that there are still people like you out there in the wild mm 
<laughs> not just a form of uh, an academic conceit <laughs> that we like dreaming of. Well, I'll confess I've, I've had a lot of practice because inside of our family I have a whole set of first cousins who are Muslim, oh. and including one who's an imam. Uh-huh. And then I have another stream of, of cousins who are uh, evangelical, very conservative. We call them the scuba gear Christians because you got to wear the mask. They go deep. <laughs> and so, you know, the, when we have family meetings, there's, you know, there are all these streams and, you know, and so you learn how to hold them in tension uh, when when my Muslim cousins are praying in Arabic and the, the evangelical cousins are having a complete conniption fit because someone's praying in Arabic and we're sort of in the middle with my father saying, how much Holy Ghost do you have? If you're threatened <laughs> by that, geez, you, you, your relationship's not that strong with your God. So I've had years of practice <laughs> just inside of our family with navigating uh, the differences. Well, that's terrific. That uh, gives me a lot of hope, and it's uh, possible that that might be the future of the human family in some ways. Um, well, I think we have reached more than the amount of time we had uh, dedicated to this, and I wanted to say thank you for coming to UVA these last couple of days. It's been a tremendous honor as well as a wonderful pleasure. Um, but this uh, discussion in particular has been terrific. So thank, thank you. you.